Good morning. I'd like to open in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for your love and your grace. Thank you for all that you do. Take me in your hands, mold me, and guide me to be bold in your message and humble in your service. Through the word of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. This morning I'd like to talk about a special topic. It's called We, Are, we Need Heroes. On a regular day, but especially during this, this time, during COVID-19, we are looking for someone to look up to, to go above and beyond. They are more devoted, they climb higher, they endure longer, and they perform better and learn more. A good example of these are the doctors, nurses, EMTs, store clerks, first responders, and other service departments that are stepping up and caring for people standing out as heroes during these troubled times. Heroes inspire us to better ourselves. They encourage us with the drive to excel. They can change what we believe our limits are. They cause us to question how hardships will endure for a just cause. To make us consider just how far we will go when a family and friend are in danger. They challenge us to examine how much better we can be at what we do. The world is searching for heroes today, perhaps more, more so now than ever in our current history. But what kind of hero do we really need? As I reflect on all the positive things a hero inspires me to be, I'm reminded how much we are all God's children. Whether I'm a hero, the person looking to the hero, one thing they have in common, we are all tempted by Satan. Even Jesus was. When God's children try to do the Lord's will, we find ourselves right in the middle of temptation because Satan is in an eternal battle fighting against God's will. Temptation slips into the very foundation of our thoughts and becomes a major stumbling block that's preventing us from reaching our spiritual destination. We face what we call false reasoning. False reasoning are thoughts induced by Satan, which are contrary to the Lord's word. They are untruths. Some examples of false reasoning might be, we have an argument with someone who we feel like has offended us. We can encounter temptation. We may want to hurt the person who has offended us. Remember the Lord said we should forgive. We should love our neighbor. But the false reasonings began to whip up and say, don't just stand there. That person will run all over you. You got to say something nasty back. This can also include someone who's hearing and learning the word of the Lord and thinks they aren't getting anywhere spiritually. They start listening to the little whisper in their ear that confirms this lie and tells them they might as well give up right now. That is false reasoning. This is true for all temptations. In Matthew 14, the disciples also faced these false reasons when they were frightened, just as we can be frightened in times of temptation. But things are never as hopeless as they appear. The Lord was coming to them, walking on the water, 
and the Lord will also come to us in our times of temptation. In fact, James 1, verse 2 and 3 says, Consider it pure joy, my brother and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Everyone must go through temptations if they want to progress and want the Lord to come into their lives. Don't feel sorry for yourselves. If you're going through temptation, the Lord is coming to you. Just as Jesus told the disciples in verse 27, Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. We may not feel him all the time, but he is there. He will come to us. What happened when the disciples first saw the Lord coming to them? Well, they didn't recognize him. They saw him as a ghost coming to them. Something cold and lifeless. As they cried out of fear, what, what might this represent in our lives? It represents us in temptation, seeing the Lord and his teachings as being something cold and lifeless that can't help us. Something scary. In fact, we want to get our neighbors back in the middle of a quarrel and look at those teachings on, on forgiveness like they are something cold. I don't, I, don't, I don't want to forgive, we can say. If we are tempted by examples of lewd or suggestive behavior from a person, the, t the teachings about loving marital relationships, chastity, and purity seem cold and lifeless to us. Also in the midst of marital turmoil, the biblical teachings about marriage can also seem dead and even frightening to think about. In all temptations that we must experience, the truth that we need the most is often the one that looks the most frightening. It looks like a ghost, like something that's going to hurt us, not help us. But we need to heed the teaching if we want to help, if we want to through the, get through the temptation. Is the Lord speaking to us, and he will save us. He came to save us. He didn't come to hurt us. His teachings are given to us not to scare us, but to help us through the storm. And then Peter gets out of the boat. Peter represents faith, the faith in us, which wants to follow the Lord and wants to understand. So the faith within us calls out like Peter in verse 28, Lord, if it is you, 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 you tell me to come to you on the water. That Peter within us wants us to let go of the boat, let go of the preconceived notions of what's right and what's wrong, to face the storm of temptations and follow the teachings. The faith wants to walk towards the Lord, even though the Lord is not yet, nor, even though the Lord is not yet yet recognized to be the loving God He is. The faith, within us, the faith within us wants to reach out and do what is right. We can feel all the temptation when the wind is howling and we're being tossed around. At one time or another, we recognize that the Lord's truth has power and we can follow it. But do we have the courage to follow it?
The faith within does, and we will if we let it. So many times today, people, Christian or not Christian, have a hard time letting go of the boat and trusting in the Lord. The Lord gave Peter one command, come. And so Peter gets out of the boat and begins to walk on the water towards the Lord. The miracle is happening. In our lives, when we begin to follow the Lord, the miracle is happening, the Lord, the miracle is happening too. We realize what God tells us is true. We, we, we start to believe we have overcome temptation and we start to take our eyes off the truth. Peter, because of the wind, begins to doubt. The Lord recognizes that when we, are, when we start to do His will, even when we begin to see that it's working, we are tempted to look up at that wind, at those false reasonings. We are so tempted to pay attention to them, to try and listen to them just one more time to make sure they are not true. But as soon as we pay attention to them, as soon as we begin to doubt the Lord's word, we begin to sink. Peter cries out, Lord, save me. And immediately the Lord catches him and holds him up. And in those times, we are full of doubts. When we are sinking, we should cry out for the Lord's help, recognizing that he's the only one that can save us. The temptation is not complete until we utterly give up. We have to recognize that we cannot do it, but the Lord can. In desperation, we must call, out, call on him, and he will be there. He will catch us before we sink and take us in his arms. We are told that when Jesus and Peter entered the boat, the storm ceased. The winds were gone, and the water was calm. Applied to our lives, this can represent the end of that particular temptation. And as soon as we respond to the Lord, as soon as we let the Lord take us in his arms, the storm does cease. It becomes quiet in our minds, our hearts are quiet, the doubts disappear. Those false reasons are gone. The truth becomes clear to us, and there is peace. So is it any wonder that those disciples who were in the boat, all of them got down on their knees in front of the Lord and worshipped him, for they know, they knew that he was truly the Son of God. My son is a minister in a church, rural church in New Brunswick. Since he has been in ministry, we have had several discussions on temptation and other tough topics. Today we have discussed the temptation that Peter and many of us face daily. And when, when my son and I had these discussions on these topics, the answer every time came out to be, what would Jesus do? Jesus was in the desert and fasted for 40 days and 40 nights and was tempted by the devil. Matthew 4 1 through 4. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, but be tempted there by the devil. For forty days and forty nights he fasted and became very hungry. During that time the devil came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones become loaves of bread. Jesus told him, No, 
The scripture says, people do not come, do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from, from the mouth of God. Have you ever considered this? The Holy Spirit guided Jesus into the desert in order to test him, but the devil met him there in order to tempt him. What is the difference to be between being tested and being tempted? Testing comes from God. He places difficulties before us to see how we react. And if we will, if we will seek reliance on him rather than ourselves. Tempting comes from the devil. He places difficulties before us to soften us so that we shall obey him rather than God. Keep in mind to us that temptation is not a sin. It is yielding to temptation that, that is a sin. In what ways are you being tested and tempted in your lives today? <clears throat> Jesus won all three rounds of temptation by Satan and has come through them unspotted and unscathed. Our defeat in the Garden of Eden is overturned. Hebrews 4.15 For do we have... For we do not have a high priest who is able to emphasize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. John three sixteen through 17 For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God sent his Son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. I give thanks daily for God and what he has done for me. Thank him for his love and grace. He gave his one and only son that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. In response to this truth, I question, what can I do for him? In Mark 12, 30 through 31, Jesus was asked, the, what was the most important commandment? He made it very simple for us when he said, You must love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. Then he added, The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. Before reading this verse, I said that Jesus made it simple. That doesn't mean he made it easy. These two commandments are the hardest to live by. Loving the Lord with all your heart and loving your neighbor as yourself. Jesus doesn't say our lives will be better if we do this. He doesn't say these are nice ideas. In order to really be living my life, he says it's essential that I must love the Lord, my God, with all my heart. By loving him with all my heart, I place myself in a position of joy. Joys were there regardless of my current circumstances. I want that kind of full joy, don't you? This is only the beginning. I also must love him with all my soul, mind, and my strength. What does all this mean? Love To love with all your heart, soul, and mind, and strength. To love God with all your heart means to love God with your emotions. Praising Him with your happiness, smile, gratitude is easy when things are good. When you receive an answered prayer 
or one of life's good gifts comes your way. But what happens when things are go not going well? Oh, your heart means all the time. Even when God seems quiet, or says wait, or he says no. And yes, even when bad things happen. Continue to love God, even when bad things happen, or when good things don't happen, is the key to, to a life of contentment. You don't have to be happy about bad things. You just need to see through bad, bad circumstances to the God who wants to comfort you and will never leave you or forsake you. Loving God at all times is a day-to-day -day learning process. As we learn more how to do it, we keep doing it a little bit more each day until soon you can say what the Apostle Paul. Philippians 4, 11 through 13. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I've learned to be content whether, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned through the secret of life of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all through him who gives me strength. To love God with all your soul means to pursue life with humility and attitude and speech. Let yourself be still and quiet. You have a good shaped you have a God-shaped hole in you that can only be satisfied by him. You have to allow yourself to believe that God not only exists but he loves you enough to send his one and only son to die and free you from your sins. Your soul takes you much farther than your heart can. It takes you to a solid relationship with the living God and as a bonus, heaven. To love God with all your mind means now that you're trusting in him with heart and soul, you continue to the next area not depending on your own understanding. Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. It is possible to know and believe in the truth of the Bible and still fall for the many lies of the world of Satan. You may even know that they are, you may even know that they are lies, but you still feel like they have a hold on you. They tell you they tell you that you're things like, who am I to be doing anything like that? I'm not good enough. I've had discussions with people at my work where they said, I'm not good enough to go to heaven. The person won't listen to me. No one even cares about me. No one will ever know if I do something wrong. When I depend on my own understanding, lies run rampant in my brain. They can pop up at any time in an attempt to slow my walk with God. Loving God well, my mind means renewing my, my mind daily so that I think more of his thoughts instead of my own. I can take my cue from Philippians 4.8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent and praiseworthy, think about such things. Daily Bible reading will fill, your, fill our minds with good things. Renewing our mind in God's Word is an important 
way of loving God. To love God with all my strength means to evaluate my actions. Do they show love for God? If we read God's word and don't obey it, it does, does us no good. Stepping out in faith is taking action enables us to remember that we have learned and this is why we help other people. God likes it when we are led by our faith in action. Worship isn't just singing. It is a daily living of faith and doing things that are right even when people don't understand. It's speaking up when we see injustices. It, it is caring for the physically and spiritually wounded. It is about doing hard things that take a lot of effort in order to plant seed. It is about doing things that are right and good, even when we don't see any kind of reward. Don't be fooled into the lie that your good deed will go unnoticed forever. It won't. God loves all our good deeds and will bring something out of them for all. Love the neighbor as yourself. Who is your neighbor? A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by a robber. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to go by. I would like to ad lib and I was I read this parable. I was at I shared something with the food bank the other day when when Darlene and I met forty years ago. We were going for a I went over to walked over to the south end, we were walking back to the go to the movies. And and a man came down over the came come down over the hill by City Hall and I saw him picking up a two by four in the alleyway. So I told Darlene to get go ahead. But what had happened is he came out of the alleyway and he hit me in the head with a two by four. And I I took the man under control just to make sure no one else got hurt. And what happened was a car drove by slowly, looked everything up going on, and another car drove by, and then and uh and then biker came by from Owen's Wrath. I remember him. He stopped. He he said, "Do you need help?" And I said, "Well, I've got him under control." But I he said he said, "Well, do you want me to go get the police for you?" And I said, "Would you please?" Anyway, the police came and they took me to the hospital and stuff. But the funny thing was, where, the reason I shared this at the food bank because he was talking. We were he was talking about the bikers that used to be in the North End. And I shared this story, and the gentleman, he said to me, there's good in everybody, and that is so true. There's good in us all if we look for it. God will reveal it every time. And the end of that is that Jesus and, and the Samaritan, what it was, the priest walked by, and then another man walked by, and then a, and then a And then they, then the gentleman took the to the hospital to the win, and but the Jesus wanted to know the expert who was the who was this gentleman's who was this gentleman's neighbor. The expert on the law replied, the one had the one who had shown mercy on him, and Jesus told him to go and do likewise. Philippians two seven. Each of us should look 
not on their, to our interests, but to the interests of others. Loving God with all our, my heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving your neighbor as yourself is a response. It means stepping out of your comfort zone. It means stepping out to help someone. Faith without works isn't worth much, but faith with works can, be, can change a piece of the world for the better. As we go forward as brothers and sisters in Christ, I want to, to be someone who reaches out, not someone who walks by. For we love because he, he first loved us. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And sure I am with you always, to the very end of the age. Yes, as I said earlier, we all need a hero. There's a phenomenon concerning this heroism. Those who see it, recognize it. But the hero claims he or she did just what anyone else would do. As a Christian, when I think of a hero, my hero is Jesus Christ our Lord. He lived for us, and he died for us on the cross. We can all be a hero when we point others to the greatest hero who ever lived, Jesus. And my prayer is that we would do this without false reasonings and fear, but the love and wisdom of the Holy Spirit. Remember, God is on mission, actively and passionately involved in the ongoing work of reconciling the world to himself. He invites, us, he invites us to be the primary means through which this works is accomplished. Like Jesus, we are called to do that of the Father, leading us into the truth so that we, in turn, bring healing and comfort to others. It is attainable. It is hard work, but the best possible labor. Amen.